In Hebrews uh, 3.13, we have a very important command uh, given to us really in the middle of some stern warnings. We've been looking in chapter 3, there's been uh, some very uh, some very stern, some very uh, clear warnings to Christians about what happens uh, when we cease to trust in the Lord. The Hebrew Christians in the first century were struggling to persevere in the faith. And the author of Hebrews warns them of the consequences of disobedience. And he gives them examples from the Old Testament of the Israelites who turned back from entering the Promised Land. That's what we've been looking at recently. He warns them of the loss of blessings and the safety uh, that comes from being in the house of Christ. In the previous verse, we had this very earnest warning about taking heed. That's in verse 12. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Literally, open your eyes and look at your own heart so that you can see if there is unbelief in there. So if we can see if there's any doubt in our own hearts. It's a reminder to examine ourselves. Uh, the Lord's table that we've just had is a, always a good opportunity to do that, uh, to reflect upon our own heart, where, we're, uh, where we are with the Lord. And in verse 13, we see that uh, sin itself is deceitful. Uh, last time we saw that our own hearts deceive us as well. And uh, we, we know that from our own experience. Our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And here we see that uh, the sin itself is deceitful. Combined with our own deceitful hearts, uh, this can make us hardened to the voice of God. And that's why we have this uh, command here in Hebrews 13. It's, it's the antidote to a hard heart. It's the, the preventative measure that we can take to make sure that um, both ourselves and other people around us are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We see that after examining ourselves first, we should then look to those around us and exhort one another daily. And this command is given with a sense of urgency. It says, while it is called today. Uh, so not tomorrow, not when, when you have an opportunity. It says, today, we should uh, put this in practice to exhort one another daily. Uh, this period of time is not forever. Uh, we don't know when it will end, which is why the author says today. Uh, maybe the Lord returns tomorrow. Uh, maybe we pass away uh, in, in a few days or a few weeks. We don't know how long we've got. So we need to put these things into practice today. It was today for the original readers of of this epistle in the first century and it's also today now such is the power of the word of God now the word translated as exhort here in Hebrews 3.13 is the word parakaleo in Greek and that's where we get the term paraclete I don't know if you've heard that term before paraclete, I've got it there in your outlines it's a Bit of an old-fashioned word, I think. Um, it's in a, it might be in a couple of hymns that we sing. It's a word used for the Holy Spirit, commonly. Uh, in John fourteen sixteen, we see uh, 
we see Christ using this word in Greek of the Holy Spirit. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. There's that word. Comforter in Greek, paraclete, that he may abide with you forever. Now this excellent Greek word literally means to call beside and was used in ancient times of a legal assistant, a pleader or an advocate, one who pleads for the cause of another. And we know that this is the role of the Holy Spirit to us from passages such as Romans chapter 8. Please turn in your Bibles there to Romans chapter 8. And verses uh, 26 and 27. This is a, a wonderful passage that teaches us the Holy Spirit's ministry to believers now. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, And he he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God has sent us the Holy Spirit in this dispensation of grace. He's our paraclete, our comforter, who intercedes for us when we pray. Sometimes words fail us in prayer, don't they? We cannot express the things that our heart desires. Uh, perhaps we are too weak, uh, too weak with some sickness, uh, too tired, uh, we're too discouraged with sin, uh, we're too weary to pray as we ought. But we need not despair, brethren as we have this wonderful picture of the Holy Spirit as our advocate, our pleader. He pleads for us and takes our weak and frail prayers just as a good advocate takes the case of the accused, pleads for him in front of the judge and the jury. That's the picture that we have before us here in Romans 8. Our prayers are heard before the throne of grace, not because we're such good prayers, not because our words are strong enough to reach God, but because the Holy Spirit intercedes for us before God. That's his ministry to us today. The Holy Spirit also comforts or consoles us. And this is another part of his ministry as well. The word to comfort literally means to give strength. Uh, When we are weak, the Spirit gives us strength. And uh, we we know this from experience as well. Sometimes we're we're too uh, weak to keep going in the Christian life. We're too weak to put the Word of God into practice. So we need to pray and the Holy Spirit comforts us. He gives us strength to do what we ought to do. Uh, this word paraclete is also, or was also used of a teacher. Someone who taught uh, pupils in a classroom uh, was the paraclete as well. 
And this is certainly the work of the Holy Spirit to us today, isn't it? He teaches us through his word. He shows us what the word of God means. Uh, When we're reading the Bible, it's not because of our, our own intelligence, our own reason that we can understand the word of God. No, it's because of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us. He brings the word of God to our mind when we need them. He brings those words to our mind. I don't know if you've been in some situation and uh, you know, you're wondering what to do and then suddenly the word of God comes into your mind and you think, oh yes, of course, that's the Holy Spirit teaching us, helping us in that ministry. So we can see that this word paraclete is a many-faceted word. There's many angles to it, there's many uh, nuances to it, and that's because the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us is like that. Uh, It reaches us at our point of need. Sometimes we need consoling. Sometimes we need strength. Sometimes we need teaching. Sometimes we need an advocate to intercede for us before the Lord. Holy Spirit does all of these things. And I say all this because it helps us to understand the meaning of this command in Hebrews 3.13. We are to do all these things to each other just as the Holy Spirit ministers to us in these ways. It's the same word here that we find in Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily. That's that same word in verb form there in Hebrews So we come to the second point, the Son of Consolation. Now the Holy Spirit is a great example to us of how to exhort, how to encourage one another. But we also see in the Bible people who were great encouragers. And one of the most notable figures in the New Testament is Barnabas. Uh, He was an important but often, he's an often overlooked figure in the early church. Uh, If you turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 36, we see him introduced. Uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. This man Barnabas, it's not his uh, original name. Acts 4, 36 says, And Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. So his name originally was Joseph, or Joseph. But when he became a Christian, the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of consolation. In Greek, quios paraklesios. That same word that's used of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, son of encouragement, son of exhortation. We think that Barnabas was not married, um, did not have any children, no family. Yet this did not stop him from having a great ministry that impacted many people. Now his first encouraging act we see in verse 37 of Acts 4. It says, 
having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Um, others uh, sold the possessions that we see in the previous verses that um, people sold houses and lands and brought some money to the apostles. But this man is named and it seems that he uh, possibly sold all of his possessions, all of his land, gave everything away in order to be an encouragement to others. So the first thing we see about Barnabas is his generosity. It was tremendous. It was incredible. And he selflessly gave everything away in order to help other people. We also see Barnabas encouraging Paul by introducing him to the church in Jerusalem. Now, uh, this is very early on, and and, uh, Paul, or Saul, as he was known at the time, was... uh, 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 was only just being converted. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't trust him for obvious reasons. He, he, he persecuted Christians and uh, he put them in jail. So people didn't trust him. But Barnabas, he was, uh, he was Paul's friend. And Barnabas stood up for his friend as an advocate for him and defended Paul to the church at Jerusalem. This is this, this ministry of exhortation, of, of being an advocate, of speaking for someone. See this in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. If you're still in, in the book of Acts, we'll go there and read those verses. This is Barnabas standing up for his friend Paul. It says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he assayed to join himself to the disciples. But... They were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas stood up for Paul when no one else would. Hey, that's the encouraging, the, 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 the exhortational ministry of Barnabas. That's the, that's the man, the type of person Barnabas was. He believed in Paul. He'd seen him in action and was willing to defend him in front of others. And that's the ministry of a paraclete. Someone who believes in us when others don't. And of course, this would have been a tremendous encouragement to Paul. Uh, He was just starting out in his ministry, um, but no one believed in him. No one believed that he could do anything. He was uh, already a failure. But Barnabas saw something in him. He believed that he would be a blessing to the church, and so he stood up for him. And, of course, this is the mark of true Christian love or charity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, we see this as well. So Barnabas had this, this, uh, this ministry because he had true Christian love for Paul. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7, if you've got your Bibles handy you can turn there. 1 Corinthians 13 4 says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Char- charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. 
Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. We see the character of Barnabas uh, here in 1 Corinthians 13. He believed um, that Saul at the time, later Paul, would be a blessing. So he stood up for him. Later in Acts, Barnabas demonstrates this again with Mark, who Paul, again, did not believe was suited to the ministry of evangelism. So the same thing that had happened to him, um, Paul perhaps forgot many years later, and uh, when Mark came along, he, he thought he wasn't suitable. However, in typical Barnabas fashion, he saw something in Mark and took him along to Cyprus where they ministered and preached. And of course, uh, Paul and Barnabas, who had been uh, partners together in the gospel, they, they split apart. And Barnabas took Mark with him to Cyprus. And there, Mark developed into a useful missionary. And uh, later on, uh, Paul asked Timothy to bring Mark with him. He says, uh, you know, he's, he's useful. Bring him along. But perhaps my favourite part in Barnabas' life was his address to the church of Antioch in Acts 11, 22-26. So turn please to Acts 11, 22. Acts 11, 22 now. This is uh, an address of, uh, of Barnabas to the church of Antioch. It says... Uh, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then Barnabas uh, sorry, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were, were called Christians first in Antioch. Now we can see uh, again Barnabas, uh, his, his effect on people. Okay, and here we see the essence of true Christian encouragement. Notice that he came to them. He came to Antioch. He, he travelled all the way there. He, he put himself out there. He didn't just stay in Jerusalem and write them a letter and send them something. He, he, he actually went there to encourage them. And he was an eyewitness of the grace of God. He saw what God was doing there at that church. And what was his reaction? It says there, he was glad... He was happy. He rejoiced in what the Lord was doing there at Antioch. He was happy to see that church flourishing and going on for the Lord. He was positive about their faith. He wasn't just grumpy and critical. You know, sometimes we think, you know, people come along to our church and just see all the bad things about what's going on. No. He, he only saw the positives about it. He was glad. And then he exhorts them. And this is again that, that same word that we've been looking at in verb form. Uh, this time his encouragement was uh, for them to keep close to the Lord. 
He encouraged their heart, it says, with purpose, with intention and will to cleave to the Lord. Barnabas encouraged the believers to adhere to the Lord and to persevere with the Lord. That's the uh, essence of that word, to cleave there. It means to, to stick to something, to persevere with something. He encourages the believers to loyally persist in their faith. And so that's what encouragement should look like in a person. So we come to our third point, practical encouragement. Now if you're like me, you struggle to find ways to encourage others in the faith. Um, Some people are just naturally good encouragers, aren't they? And, uh, you know, they just automatically, it seems, do things that are just encouraging. Uh, but many of us struggle. And we, we don't know what to do for someone to encourage them. We, we want to do the encouraging thing. We want to exhort. We want to be like Barnabas. But we can't think of anything to do. So I thought I'd give a list of ways to become an encourager like Barnabas. And, of course... Um, you know, this isn't my list. I didn't make these things up. Uh, you know, did some research and found various sources, uh, mainly on the internet, that show how we can be uh, an encourager in a, in a practical way. Okay, we've seen some some things in the Bible about what encouragement should look like, but what are some practical things that we can do? So, first thing, we need to pray that God will help us in this. We need to pray. Fulfilling this command to exhort one another daily uh, is not just about being nice to each other. Uh, Anyone can do that. Uh, Any unbeliever uh, can be nice to other people. This is a spiritual practice. And as such, we need God's help if we are to really be an encouragement to those around us. Uh, We saw that Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's ministry of encouragement and comfort overflowed in his life to those around him. Do we understand that? Barnabas, it, it says, we've just read that, he was filled with the Spirit. Okay, So this this ministry of the Holy Spirit of filling the believer is super important here. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, it just overflows and it, it reaches those around us. And that's because the Holy Spirit's ministry is one of encouragement to us. That's, that's, it, that's one of his, his roles in our dispensation today, is to encourage the Christian. And so it makes sense that if we're full of the Holy Spirit, if we're being filled with the Spirit, then we're going to naturally be an encouragement to others. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, if we are not filled with the Spirit, then we can't be an encouragement to anyone. Now, how a Christian is filled with the Spirit is a, is a whole other sermon. Okay, we're not going to spend a, a, whole, a whole lot of time looking at that, but in brief, uh, you know, we need to be doing the things that the Word of God commands us to do. We need to confess our sins before God. Uh, we need to practice the Word of God. And, uh, you know, when we do these things, the Holy Spirit fills us. 
Secondly, we need to study the Word of God and what it has to say about this. What it has to say about encouragement, about being an encouragement to others. Now, we've seen the life of Barnabas very briefly, but there is much more in the Word of God about that. Thirdly, we should make encouraging other Christians a daily habit. Now, for some people, this comes naturally. But for the rest of us, we uh, need reminders to do this regularly. Uh, you know, these days we have all sorts of uh, all sorts of uh, help in technology. We can uh, set reminders on our phone, perhaps. Uh, we can send a text message, uh, you know, so easily these days. An encouraging uh, text message. Uh, there's so many ways that, that we can we can have help in this to, to remind us to encourage one another daily. We need to ask God to show us who to encourage. And uh, the church directory, if you've got one, is, is very useful in this way. So the church directory, um, and, and this was uh, when I was doing some research, it actually uh, said this, I hadn't thought of this before, but it's not just a way of getting in touch with people, is it? You can use the church directory as a prayer list. We can pray through the list of people in the directory and ask God how we can be an encouragement to that individual. It's a great idea, isn't it? Use that directory in a, in a way, you know, as a, as a prayer list. Just pray for such and such and ask God to help you to know how to encourage that person. Number five, use the Bible to encourage others. If we read a great verse or a, or a passage that touches our heart, then we should share it. You know, social media can be used for a, in, in a good way. Put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, write a note to someone, or just tell someone about it, and they'll appreciate it. Uh, I've lost track of the, the number of times that people have sent me a verse. Just, and it seems random. I, you know, I'm at work and the, you know, the phone beeps and you look at it and there's a verse on there. And it encourages my heart. And, and, and so that's just a simple way to encourage someone. And it's very easy to do. Number six, show up to church regularly and to other ministries. It's hard to be an encouragement if we are not present. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Uh, often just to see people regularly is in itself a motivation to keep persevering. Now all of us have a million excuses to not show up to church. But we miss out on so many blessings by not turning up. I know life, life gets busy and we have a lot of things to do. Um, but... Just to, to encourage other people, we have to be around those people. And uh, often just by, just by being together is encouraging. Lastly, we should pray that our whole church is encouraging. A church filled with people like Barnabas would be an awesome place. Really, if all of us are obedient to the command in Hebrews chapter 3.13, then uh, this would be the case. Since exhorting one another is a command, it means that this applies to all believers. This is not just optional. 
what we've uh, read in, in Hebrews 3.13 to exhort one another daily, that, that's not something that only certain Christians should be doing. Okay, it applies to everyone here today, all of us. It's mandatory. We need to be encouraging to one another daily. And uh, as the verse goes on to say, it says, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It prevents other people and ourselves from being hardened by sin. Just getting that encouragement constantly helps us to overcome the sin in our life. Whatever sin it is you're struggling with, that encouragement from other believers helps us in that. It's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, that, that's been a very uh, very brief look at this verse, and uh, I hope it's uh, made sense, because I, I think this is a very practical verse. Okay? There's not really many other verses that are more practical than this. This is something that we can all start applying to our lives more. Okay? There's, there's not anyone that can say to themselves, oh, I'm, I'm too much of an encourager. You know, I think I should just hold back on that. No. We can all become more encouraging Christians. We can all exhort one another daily, more and more. And we ought to, because the Word of God tells us that we should. Well, that's, uh, that's verse 13. Next time we'll go on to uh, the next passage. Let's pray.